Ag State of Mind, Episode 73. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Greetings and welcome to this episode of the Ag State of Mind podcast, a proud member of the Global Ag Network. I am your host, Jason Meadows, and today is a special episode of the podcast. We are featuring my friend, Brian Alexander, who is launching his very own podcast, the Ranching Reboot Podcast. And it's a podcast about regenerative agriculture, the journeys, the stories of the people who are participating and doing the work with regenerative agriculture and It's sure to be a great, great podcast. I can't wait for it. I love regenerative agriculture. I am doing my best to be a part of that movement and to make changes within my own cow herd to where we're doing things in a more regenerative manner. So today is uh, is really exciting for me because Brian and I were connected through Clay Connery and the Working Cows podcast. And the Ranch and Reboot has a lot in common with this podcast because if there was no working cows podcast there was no ag state of mind podcast and if there was no working cows podcast there would be no ranching reboot so uh go follow brian online he's a red hills rancher all across social media really excited for you guys to get to hear him and get to know him brian is a fascinating guy all right brian alexander welcome to the ag state of mind podcast how are you tonight friend jason i'm great thanks for having me here this is uh, this is a lot of fun for me because you are a big inspiration to me with all the stuff you do over there in, in, on your ranch in Kansas. And I just, I love what you do. I, I love how you show it and I love how you keep it real. So tell everybody a little bit about your operation, about your history. And then we're going to start into this, uh, talk a little bit about this uh, podcast that you got planned out. Well, I'll, I'll try to remember to cover all of it. My history, I I grew up out here on the ranch. Uh, My family's never owned cattle since the 50s. The ranch was managed by others um, until the late late 80s, actually, early 80s. My dad came back and took over the management of the ranch about 1985. And he didn't really have any money. And what he called it was an overgrazed, underutilized cedar forest without any water. And he won the Leopold Award for 2019. Wow. So uh, it, it, it was taken from, a, from an extremely degraded uh, piece of land. And over the years, he put in a lot of money and time. And I put in a lot of money and time. And uh, now we have something that's kind of cool. We've restored creeks, got beavers coming back, almost doubled the grass production, run about double the cattle that the neighbors do many many water systems miles and miles and miles of electric fence i've got over uh, 27 miles of electric fence now and counting that's plus, inc- that's incredible <laughs> plus like 14 portable reels too so wow that's another yeah. six or seven miles there <laughs> yeah yeah man it's 
what you do, you, you do some just incredible, I mean, you're focused really is on soil health and, you know, because it's, and I, I heard, I think it was Burke Teichert say this one time where, you know, he thought that he loved his cows, but then he, instead he realized to love his cows, he had to love his grass, but then to love his grass, he had to love his soil. I feel like that is like you in a, in a box there. Yeah. You know, I, th- I've heard that quote from Burke repeated back so many times in the last month, uh, you know, and I, mm-hmm. and I've even used it. You'll hear it coming up in a couple of my podcasts probably. And it's a great quote and it's probably the one he's going to most be remembered for. Yeah. But there's a lot of truth to that. So, you know, I mentioned that my family never really owned livestock, so I didn't grow up owning cows. I grew up mm-hmm. with a dad that owned a ranch that was in the custom right. grazing business. Mm-hmm. So I never really had to learn like a lot of details and life cycle management about cows. Like I just didn't have to know any of that stuff. I had to learn how to manage grass and then how a cow ate the grass and then how to manage that, manage that interaction. I think I got a pretty good handle on that. So I did something really stupid last year and I went and I bought a herd of cows. So now I own cows. <laughs> and when, like today, we were just talking earlier, the high here was, or the low this, this morning, it was like seven degrees. You know, I just love the cold. It makes everything three times harder. <laughs> it takes three times as long. Uh, but the cows look pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny. They uh, honestly, to me, I think they do better in this weather than they would if it was like 35 degrees and raining. I mean, I, I, I feel like it's much easier on them. Yeah, I, I think, you know, a little bit of weather stress here and there really, you know, can help them perform. And, you know, it also kind of weeds out the weak ones that can't hack it in your environment on your supplement sure. program. No, but it's, it's just not easy on anybody. Um, I, right. I really yeah. feel sorry for the guys that are calving right now. I mean, here we are. It's, you know, it's the first week of February, getting ready to start the second I, week of February. And it's, it, it's like 11 degrees outside. I, I mean, you and I are in the same camp on this. And I do, I feel because I've been that guy and it's a terrible thing to go through, to have to worry when it's like this, when you're not only are you breaking ice, you're moving cattle, but you're also worrying about them calving in this. I mean, gosh, what a stressor. And like, what a stress relief to know that I don't have to worry about that for a couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just not going to worry about it at all. I'm just going to go make right, sure they've right. got water and haul all the protein tubs to them that they can eat and make sure that they can find fine forage. You know, I, I spent, yeah. uh, there's about a quarter inch of ice that's built up but it's all come in on the, on the ranch with most with the North breeze and not straight down. So it's all coming with the breeze. So on the lee side of all the grass clumps, they can still get in there and get things still get in there, still and get, get in there and get, get dry matter. That's not coated in ice. So they, they're on patrol around the pasture. <laughs> they're definitely, they're definitely hunting. And Do looking. they have, is that a learned behavior? For them, you th- I mean, or they do they just are they just intuitive eaters? I think it's epigenetics. I think it's just epigenetically still in the breed. Okay, okay. and and what I mean by that is, um, you know, and by breed you mean do you mean Coriantes? Yeah, Coriante, Coriante type. Okay, okay, and by that I mean like descendants of the original Creole cattle that the Spanish brought over in the early fifteen hundreds. You know, I don't want to piss off any of the Longhorn people, but 
I think that the Corriente gene pool as it exists right now is the largest reservoir from that, like uh, the largest genetic reservoir descended from the original Creole cattle. I think the, mm -hmm. only, pl the only place we're going to find a significant reservoir of that genetics is in the Corriente herd. And what we're looking for is we're looking for the descendants of those animals that were brought over and basically ran wild in, in Mexico and the desert Southwest for several hundred years and had several hundred generations of natural selection and pressure to weed out the weak ones and the ones that, you know, the ones that were successful were the ones that knew how to go out and live in the really hard country and find enough to eat every day. Sure, sure. So my theory is that there's still some of that, okay. in, that in, the, in the Corriente genetic pool through epigenetics down the generation. And correct me if I'm wrong here. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to mimic that or find the ones who will mimic that, the ones that were survived for so many years on their own. You're trying to mimic that in your own herd and manage that. And, you know, when you are trying to select for that sort of stuff, it makes your job just a little bit easier. Am I right? Right. So fertility drives the bus. Okay. Mm -hmm. With an asterisk. Okay, and fertility, <laughs> fertility is, you know, what your breed up rate is on your supplement program. Okay, if you're a low input guy, is 80% okay on a 45 day cycle? Well, sure, if your input costs are controlled. You know, if you're mm -hmm. pouring the feed to your cows and soaking them in hormones and, and really, really trying hard to breed them and putting a lot of extra cost in there, well, then you got to have a much higher breed up to get that return out of the calf. So I think it could be done. And, you know, I, I understand that there's going to be, you know, it's going to take two generations before I'm going to have something that I'm probably really proud of. Sure. And sure. it's a five-year program. Right. Yeah. And you have that you're working towards. I think what, that's what people don't understand about this is, you know, you're not going to go out and buy a cow set of cows and then, you know, overnight or in a, year or so you're not going to have like the perfect what you, and you'll never have the perfect thing i think but it's going to be something that you have to work and build up to and you know make selection and and manage them to the best of your ability and you know it's something that takes a lot of time and effort and trying to find the animal that's that's genetically adapted to survive and be fertile under your management in your context mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. You know, I have an idea what that animal looks like for me. And for you, 300 miles away, you get a lot more rainfall than I do. Totally different mm -hmm. forage environment. That animal is mm -hmm. going to look completely different for you than it is for me. They are. And even, even if we were neighbors, to match what we want to do and how we want to spend our time, how we want to live our lives, what kind of lifestyle we want to have that's even going to look different among neighbors too. So, I mean, I think that's what people have to understand here is, you know, when you're trying to get into this more management intensive type operation is there's no, I mean, there's some great, obviously some great people out there with some great management techniques, but it, it comes down to what works best for you in your operation, in your environment. The term I've been throwing around a little bit lately is contextually appropriate management contextually appropriate management. I like that. <laughs> you know, 
got to write that one down. It was just like a couple of years ago, I heard about the, the five principles of soil health. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, well, I thought everybody knew that. You know, that's, that, that's a pretty good advice for farmers that like to go churn dirt. And then, and then Ray and Gabe came up with number six, know your context. And then things started to make a whole lot more sense. Yeah. You know, you, and you have to put all six of them together. It's like, it's like ranching for profit. You can't do ranching for profit-ish. You can't do financial <laughs> peace-ish. You know, you can't mm-hmm. do soil health-ish. You either do it or you don't. Right. Right. So uh, let's uh, let's talk about this podcast thing. You and I have a common mentor in our buddy Clay Connery, and he is the hits. You know, we say before we start recording, this is uh, kind of his fault that that we both have podcasts. So uh, if anybody wants to, you know, blame someone, they they need to go straight to Clay. I think. Yeah, and um, I don't remember his phone number, his email address off the top of my head, but it's published everywhere on his website he's easy to get a hold of so just go ahead and send him all the hate mail he's responsible for both of us we'll pu- we'll publish it in the show notes <laughs> there we go yeah clay uh i've been, i've been on clay's show i think five times now and that's the record right like you're the you're the top one right oh i might be tied i think i might be tied with somebody really yeah, yeah i don't okay. I, I'm going to try to avoid going back to number six until somebody else gets there. I don't want to. Somebody else yeah. catches you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, especially now since I've kind of got my own thing. But uh, yeah, every time I've talked to Clay, ever since probably the first two episodes we did together, he's been bugging me. It's like, when are you going to start a podcast? You need to start a podcast. I'm like, nah, I'll just come on your, I'll just come jack yours all the time. He's like, no, you need to start your own. I'm like, nah, nobody got time for that. And then, you know, so that was always in the back of my head. Dallas Mount, he's, he's kind of another co-instigator in this. He was another big encouragement. Mm-hmm. And really, uh, the podcast, you know, I, I got to be kind of upfront. You know, it's, it is sponsored by Pasture Map and, and their parent sure. company, but it's not a Pasture Map sales pitch. I think, you know, in like okay. six episodes, I think we've talked about it like for a total of about 55 seconds, maybe. Okay. So, so sure. don't think you're getting a Pasture Map sales pitch if you come and listen to it. But I've been I've been close to CK and and she's the lady that runs Pasture Map. We've been close for a long time, and you know since last summer, her husband's in vet school up in Manhattan, so they're you know, only three and a half hours away. They came down and visited during the middle of COVID, and it was really great to see him. And went out, and she got to see the ranch, and I got to meet her husband. He's a really cool guy. Kind of sucks they're going to Idaho, but they got to do what they got to do. Anyway, you know we got. We, we threw around some ideas uh, while she was here. And then later in the summer and into the fall, we, we kept talking and talking and talking. And uh, a couple months ago, she just said, hey, what if we did a podcast and all you have to do is just host it and just do the talking. We'll take care of the recording, the editing, get it on the internet, make sure everybody, make sure everybody gets it. All you got to do is just, just talk to people and let us record it. Okay, <laughs> I can do that. Yeah. That's pretty easy. Yeah, the talking's the easy part. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I've got some uh, good friends, or maybe they're instigators. You know, we're we're all still on speaking terms now, so we'll see how it goes. I did actually. I've already interviewed Dallas for the show, mm-hmm. and he doesn't come out. I think until the end of March, maybe even the beginning of April. So we're we're way down the line. We got plenty of episodes in the can. Got good content. We got a lot of plans to you know keep up with a good recording schedule. So when we all get in the summer. And things get busy as hell. 
I don't have to yeah, worry about making yeah. sure I get one recorded every week. We can, you know, we'll have a backlog of six or eight that we can just keep rolling through and uh, keep, keep pushing out good content. But we do, we're going to be starting weekly, um, February 15th. When are we coming out? When's this one coming out, Jason? I'm going to try and do it as this is going to try and come out the same time. Okay. You know, Clay, that's another thing Clay did for me is whenever <laughs> he did the same for you, he launched my podcast with him, came out the same day my episode one came out. So as you know, Clay is an amazing guy on many fronts and he was, there would be no ag state of mind if, if there was no, if there was no working cows there, there wouldn't be ranching reboot if there wasn't working cows. I I guarantee you that. He's like the, uh, Oh, I don't even know what to even compare him to, but he's like, you know, he's the reason, you know, and he's the reason, you know, he's created such a community. He's the godfather of regenerative ag podcasting. He's the godfather. Yeah, exactly. He's the godfather of regenerative ag podcasting. Exactly. Yeah. And I just, I I can't thank him enough for what he's done for me and for the community and connected with me with so many great people. Oh, that's, that's the best thing about it is the conversations that he has with so many people and, you know, it's exposed me to so many people that I would have never heard of otherwise and so many new ideas, which has led to you know, I, I can't even count how many different breakthroughs I've had just in, you know, unlocking key insights about a stockmanship thing or, you know, about something else like Steve Campbell's thoughts about episode 160 about cows and phenotype scoring. Like my mind is still right. blown on that one. I've already listened to it twice. But I, I have to go back on yeah. a third pass to, to get it all. Right. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't have. There's some, I mean, you would have heard of him, but I wouldn't have known who someone like Gabe Brown was I, I, you know, those guys aren't talked about in normal cattlemen's circles, you know, because uh, they challenge the paradigms and I wouldn't have known who they were. And I'm very fortunate that, you know, I, I stumbled onto Clay's podcast almost by accident. It was on one of those like suggest, oh, try this podcast, you know, on, on underneath the, you know, one another podcast I listened to and, you know, it just kept on and I just, it was, you know, I don't mean to make this about Clay's podcast. I wanted to talk <laughs> about you, but you know, again, it's, it's, it's been a blessing for me. Yeah. You know, I, I was sitting here thinking about, you know, it was probably five, six years ago. I was thinking, you know, somebody asked me, do you ever listen to any podcast? I'm like, no, there aren't any podcasts that have any useful information for anything I'm doing. Never occurred to me that, hey, dummy, you should start a podcast. But I guess at that time, I really didn't have a whole lot to say. And uh, about two years ago, my friend Christine Sue was on Working Cows, like I think 72 or 73. And she gave me a shout out. Yep, I remember. That's about the and time she I started me, She's like, Brian, I was on this podcast called Working Cows. I gave you a shout out. We talked about Pasture Map. You should check it out. Okay. So I did. And then literally the next episode that came out was 75 with Alan Savory. So there's like two in there I skipped over. So I'm like, oh, Working Cows podcast has right. Alan Savory on it. I have to listen to this. Hook, line, and sinker, man. I was done. So right. Been- that, that's funny that, that you and I started around the same time. That's, I mean, that's literally, I remember like very soon into it being, and it was, that was the reason I, like, when he had Alan Savory on, it was wow. like, Okay, you know, and I don't I even mean, remember you know, how, how it came up to do that first episode with him. It was, I don't even know. I don't know if I called him or he called me. And I don't, I don't know about that. But uh, yeah, wow. It's been, it's been kind of a wild ride for the last uh, little over a year. Yeah, yeah, crazy, crazy. So 
your podcast. Let's talk about it. Ranching Reboot. That's a wonderful name because I think it really encapsulates what you're trying to do. Talk about some of the people, you know, you talked to about it on Clay's podcast, but talk to me about some of the people and like your kind of why and your mission behind the podcast. The regenerative community on social media, you know, especially TikTok, there's, there's not very many of us, as you kind of know that. We're all kind of close and we all kind of talk. You know, I, I guess there's like five of us that are, you know, kind of outspoken regenerative ranchers mm-hmm. on there, it seems like. And there's a lot of other, you know, I, I hate to say the word, but small holders, but, you know, there are people that are more like homestead scale, small scale with, you know, multi-species, not to take anything away from that. I mean, it's a lot easier to get big than it is to get small. And trust me, there's, <laughs> I wish I only had about 10 oh cows gosh, to yeah. worry about and all my shit fit in five <laughs> acres, trust me. But, uh, you know, that's not the reality of my situation. I'm making the best with what I got. So, you know, everybody's really supportive when you know, we comment on each other's videos and we try to back each other up. And there's just so many people that are asking, how do you get started? How do you get started in ranching? How do you get started in food production? And yeah, it's called Ranching Reboot. But the more I've thought about it and going through the, you know, the six episodes we've already recorded by this point, it should be more like, I, I don't even know what to say because it, it's more like protein production reboot or livestock production reboot or, or food systems reboot because that's, that's kind of really what it all comes down to is we, we want to try to answer these questions from the people that want to know about their food system, mm-hmm. that want to be involved in their food system and give them information on how to get started, tips. I mean, not just tell them, hey, go here and get a loan. It's like, well, this is how I got started. This is, you know, this is what I'd tell you if I was, if I could go back five years ago and do it all over again. So the first three guys we interviewed, I think combined, they have like 10 or 12 years of full-time ranching experience as a current career. And then we follow that up with Mike Calicrate, who is a man who needs no introduction to most of us. I mean, if you know Mike Calicrate, you know Mike Calicrate, nothing more needs to be said. And if you don't, you need to go mm-hmm. listen to Mike Calicrate because... Mm-hmm. He's pretty legendary and man, that guy, you know, he's, he's just got so much great advice and you know, that's the war stories from the veterans that have been fighting the shit in the trenches for years. You know, that's what we got to tell too, you know? So, you know, the young guys that are just starting out that, you know, are getting some success and have had some failures. We're going to tell those stories. You know, I'm I'm sure Bert Teichert, I'm sure I could convince him to be on the show. Gabe Brown's a great Brown has said he would, um, I've, I've got a long list of people that have said, yes, I, I would love to be on your show and trying to get everybody sorted out and scheduled to try to fit some themes. Well, it's such a needed thing because there, there's a lot of people who are doing the kind of work where you're trying to get people out there, but there's, there's not very many platforms, not very many podcasts who are pushing that information out there about regenerative ag and regenerative, especially livestock. And it needs, it's needed because we, and and not only like, you know, ranchers and consumers have a certain idea of what livestock production is like, and you can be here to show them that that's not all there is. And and that's a lot of what we're doing. You know, it's not, you know, we want to, we want to connect people with their food. We want to tell the story of food. You know, mm-hmm. we're in the energy business, right? Okay. We're in the, we're in the business of taking this, this wonderful sunshine that 
that we can't harness all of and turning it into human edible protein. Okay. If I'm doing that with a grass fed animal, my infrastructure needs are not my infrastructure. My technology needs are minimal to do it. I don't need to have tractors. I don't need to have feed. I don't need to go plant. Mm-hmm. I don't need GMO seeds. I don't need herbicide, pesticide, fertilizer. I don't need to cut processed corn, just, you know, press distiller's grain to extract alcohol out of it, to put it in a feed mixer, to mix with hay that I baled, to make a precise ration to feed to the cows. Just turn them out yep. on grass. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's very difficult, you know, to talk about like the environmental costs of food mm-hmm. without making somebody feel like you're threatening them or, or vilifying yes. anybody because that that's the most touchy thing, right? You know, it is. Yeah, absolutely. We're all human mm-hmm. and we all have an ego. Mm-hmm. And the second that our ego is threatened, we go into defense mode, our mind closes and we don't want to accept new ideas. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we can't make an assault on the ego. You know, if we're trying to take, you know, the, the production commodity row crop guy and convert him to the cover crop regenerative grazer, okay, we can't tell him what he's doing wrong. Mm-hmm. But what we can do is we can go find his consumer. We can go find his customer. And we can tell his customer, let's talk about your food. Let's talk about your food system and what all is in your food. How many hands has it passed through to get from the man that grew it to your hand, to your belly? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, th- that's really the one core question that everybody needs to start asking is how many people have made money off of my food other than the per- person that grew it? Right. I mean, it, it's, it passes through so many hands, you know, in the typical commodity type based system. And it it is, it's hard to really even track who and what and uh, how many it went through. But when you can, like you, like you like to say, you say something that sticks with me is shake the hand that feeds you. I I love that. That's like, and I didn't mean to steal that from you or anything or say it when you were trying, wanting to say it, but I, I love that. I love that saying because that's how we connect the end of the consumer to the people on the side, to the people who are actually doing the work, who are actually the boots on the ground, grassroots, you know, maybe pun intended t- type people. Yeah, for sure. You know, those are the people we need to connect to. And that's, that's where it starts. Shake the hand that feeds you. And, you know, if, if you can't go to a farmer's market, right, we'll find one. If you can't, you know, it, it start somewhere. There's something everybody can do tomorrow to start moving the needle and getting closer to mm-hmm. the source of your yeah. food. Like just vote, vote with your food dollar. Don't trust labels. Mm-hmm. They will, <laughs> the labels will lie to you. Sure. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a, that's a whole different podcast that we could uh, go into there and something I don't know like the more I find out about it, the less I think I realize I know. Oh, about maybe it. you'll have to get Joel Salatin <laughs> on Ranching Reboot to so he can go off and talk about the food yeah. That would be a lot of fun. <laughs> I want to get Chris Newman. I want to get Chris Newman from Sylvan Aqua Farms before I get Joel Salatin. That's the guy. He had a fight 
Okay, I, don't know, I don't know who Joel that Salton is. Joel Salton had a fight with on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no kidding. So I want to I want to get him first before I get before I try to get Joel Salton. So Chris Newman, send me an email, buddy. Yeah. Call Ranching me. Reboot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm really excited for this because I, your content, especially, I feel like you have found sort of a niche on TikTok and you are getting a lot of exposure there. And I love following you and seeing the stuff you do, seeing the day to day that you do. And, you know, you talk about your, you talk about your, not, not only what you do, but why you do it. And I think that's really valuable to people because the public and the consumer is, they don't, they just, and, and no fault to anybody, they just, a lot of times just don't know. And when there is a honest, hold nothing back of what you do, people out there, um, I'm trying to get better at it, but I feel like you do an incredible job of doing it. You know, that's, that's really helpful to us on this side of it to, for people to, to see what's, what's you know, I just, I try to be real. I mean, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't try to be fake, a bunch of camera tricks, crap editing. You know, I try to do life. You live life. You get one take. So I try to do all my mm -hmm. social media in one take. If I can get through the first three or four seconds without wanting to restart, that's it. One take. I'm done. Don't waste time on it. Gotcha. You know, be yeah. real. Speak your truth. People people relate to that. People relate to real. And I think that's why YouTube and TikTok and those sort of things are uh, such valuable tools for us is because they, they show the real life, the real as it happens. Um, you know, obviously there's editing that can be done, but I mean, somebody described TikTok to me as like the closest thing that you can get to inside somebody's well, brain. You'll hear this on uh, on episode one with Hobbs Magareg. He says that he really likes TikTok because you have to generate value. You can generate a mm -hmm. lot of content. But if it's valueless content, your audience base is going to leave, you know, and mm -hmm. I'm not a cute teenage girl. I don't have a body to show off. I mean, <laughs> look at me. I'm not, I'm not that, I'm not that much to look at. Yeah. I got a good beard. It just grows in all that. You know, that's just naturally how white trashy it is. I don't really do a whole lot to it. I don't think I'm really photogenic, but I got some pretty stuff on my ranch and I like to show it. So, you know. Sure. I don't, I don't worry about how many followers I have. You know, I just try to interact with the ones that I do and, uh, and keep them happy and keep doing, keep doing what I do and not pay attention to the toxicity and the negativity because, oh, there's so much toxicity and negativity these days on, on all social media. Oh my gosh, there is, you know, and you know, I think you were, you saw this and this is, this was on TikTok a few, I don't know, last week or so. And, you know, where they had this big fight about grass fed versus oh, grain yeah. fed beef. And <laughs> I mean, it, it's like, I, and, it, and it goes back to, you know, you're threatening one way is threatening to another. And like, man, that's such a, that's really missing it. Like that's missing the, you know, and we can talk about best practices and I, I, you know, I, I was watching that fight. Okay. Uh -huh. And I know everybody on both sides. Uh huh. Like, and I'm just trying to stay out of it. Right. Uh -huh. I'm trying to stay out of it and not get hit by any of the bullets going by. And on the side, I'm, I'm telling, you know, I'm, I'm giving Hobbs some ideas and giving, you know, giving a couple other guys some ideas of stuff to, of stuff to say and how to respond. But, you know, we're also, uh, you know, 
there's several of us who are also pretty supportive of each other when we do notice a lot of toxicity on somebody else's page. Yeah. And that's great because that's what it, that's what it takes because it takes a community. And like we were talking about with the Working Cows podcast, you know, having a community around uh, an ideal, around a, a principle, a purpose that makes it that much more powerful. That makes it uh, that gives you even more reason to uh, reach that goal and pursue that and, and live that principle when you have a community around it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, rebuilding communities especially rebuilding rural communities, ag communities, you know, whether it's a you know, virtual community, you know, it's, it's community spirit that we've lost and we've lost the mm-hmm. ideal about that. We need to build a community that's resilient, that we can rely on that, you know, we provide for the needs of our community during the good times mm-hmm. when we're able. So during the bad times when we're not able our community will step up and help provide for us. Yeah, yeah. You know, we had that for so long. There was such a community around everything we did, and we've just, we've lost that. It's my hope that that it comes back. I'm going to do my darndest to make sure it happens. Um, And I think other people are going to, too. But I think that's where we need to go. We need to understand the power of community and no matter, like you said, no matter what it is, uh, your local community, even a virtual community, and be able to pick one another up and and you know fight through the peaks and valleys, and hopefully not not all be in the peaks and not all be in the valleys at the same time. Uh, that's easier said than done, uh, especially given this year. But that I think that's that's really what's going to keep us moving forward. Yeah, and we have to keep working forward together. You know, and it, it is going to take, mm-hmm. it's going to take all of us working, doing our best and not rising, not responding to the critics. I mean, there's criticism. I mean, and I'm, I'm not saying that my practices and anybody else's practices are beyond criticism, but honest criticism, mm-hmm. not just defensiveness. Oh, that won't work. Well, we already tried that crap 30 years ago. Right. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I mean, there's no better way to get better, more effective way to get better than constructive criticism. But we're all seemingly so sensitive and we can't put up such a such a guard against that kind of stuff. Um, and it's, that's not helpful. Constructive criticism, somebody who is going to be honest and come to you and say, hey, man. Why don't you try this way? And, you know, you can take with that and do with that what you want to. Um, you know, I've I've been served a lot of humble pie in the last couple of years with the things I've tried to do, uh, new things. And, you know, but, but I can say I'm better because of, you know, somebody, Burke Tykert was one of those people. I had a sit-down meeting with Burke Tykert. Uh, he, came, he was came to Missouri one, uh, one time and he said, why don't you meet me down here at this ranch? And I drove down two hours and we had dinner together and I told him all the stuff I was doing. He's like all right, change this, this, and this. And, you know, we got into breeding seasons and that sort of thing. I think that's when I started to calve in actual spring and not real spring or not, not what we call spring calving in most places, which is January and February. Um, you know, he told me it's winter, right? I know. I know, which is the silliest thing to me, but, uh, you know, if if that's, if that's spring calving, when is a winter caver? And then when's a fall caver? 
<laughs> like, like I, I got know. some of these cows that I bought as quote fall calvers in October, and I thought, well, I'll be having calves any minute now. I just had my first one like yesterday. Oh it's no! Not fall anymore. Oh, no. It's winter. <laughs> oh no! That's a. I mean, it was up running around. He was up, up moving. Did it though? Huh? Oh man! Oh yeah! Gosh! Eleven to seven degrees this morning, and he was he was out with mama, looking happy. Well, good for you because I've seen that go the other way a lot of times. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see if he's there tomorrow, and right, right, right. until it warms up. It's it's going to be a long <laughs> week till it warms up. Right. So, uh, this is coming out. This podcast will come out on February fifteenth. That is going to be that's your launch date, correct? That's the yes, day. Sir. Where that- can we find Ranching Reboot? Oh gosh. Oh, I can't really tell you right now. Hopefully, by lunch date, everything will be live on ranchingreboot.com. And we have a Facebook page at Ranching Reboot on Facebook. I'm not doing a lot of social other media on it yet until we start getting some content and some followers. Uh, We'll be promoting a lot of stuff uh, like cross-platform promoting off of Red Hills Rancher. So Mm -hmm. you can either watch Red Hills Rancher social media uh, for links, you go find Ranching Reboot on Facebook. Definitely follow, uh, like, and follow that. And um, check out Ranching Reboot bookmark it for next Monday, the 15th. I guess the day that this comes out. So by the time you hear this, you should be able to go to ranchingreboot.com. If you're not, you can come to Red Hills Rancher and send me hate mail. As soon as you're done listening to Ag State of Mind, go over and check out uh, Ranching Reboot podcast. One question I want to ask you, and I want to finish up with this, and it's a two-part question, and maybe it's probably not a great ending question. It might be a better beginning question, but you know, so let's see how your summarizing skills can be. What are the biggest issues facing beginning ranchers, and what are the solutions to those in a few minutes or less or more, if you have to? I mean, access to resources, one. You know, there's a lot of big, mm. I'm sure that there's a lot of people that, uh, you know, are stuck in, I like to call them filing cabinets that are stuck in vertical filing cabinets in inner cities. You know, those, those skyscraper thingies, kind of like a filing cabinet for people. Mm-hmm. They're stuck in those mm-hmm. and, you mm-hmm. know, maybe they have a little balcony outside that they can put a house plant on. And that's their idea of a, you know, a space or, you know, it's somebody in suburbia that's got a 1200 square foot backyard that I could go out and cut with scissors and you know, that that's their idea. And they're trying to ask these questions, how do you get started? And I wish I had a better answer of, you know, how to find land resources because that's what you need. I mean, if you have access to land, you need a couple reels of poly wire, some step in post, a good charger and a way to get around. And as long as that property has got water and forage on it, mm-hmm. you can go find somebody that owns the cows that will let you have them to go put on that dirt to improve that dirt and make you money. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, if you really sit down and think about it and we, we are, we're caught, so many people are caught in this paradigm of, you know, you have to inherit it. You have to be born into it or you have to inherit money to go buy big tracts of land. I mean, I'm one of the fortunate people who growing up on a generational place, I, my dad, 
started a great thing. And I'm very fortunate for that. But, you know, I understand not everybody has that. But I want to see more people be able to live the kind of lifestyle that we're, we are providing my children because I fit, I find that it, that's, it's valuable on so many levels and it, it teaches them about what, what the life cycle is like, what work, you know, the, the input in and uh, output out, that sort of thing. I mean, it's a valuable way to live and it's a valuable way to, to make a living too, or can be. And I want, I, I want other people to understand that that can happen. Sure. Sure. Now it's getting people out on the land. You know, since I, since I got out of the Navy and I came back to the ranch, the average age in agriculture has only gone up. Like mm, yeah. at some point it, has to go down i mean like it is a mathematical certainty at some point we will tip over and everybody will die and it'll just be a bunch of you know 18 19 year olds left to go around the farm you know we can't let that happen we have to train our replacements and we have to Mm -hmm. do a Mm -hmm. much better job of it and you know part of that is giving the younger generation access to land and freedom to fail Mm-hmm. Good. That's good stuff. That's really good stuff. That's a good way to end it. I like that. Brian Alexander, it's been a pleasure, man. This has been fun. This has been one of the more interesting podcasts I, I have recorded and something that like I I gained a lot of stuff from this. So I appreciate you taking the time out and, and, and being on the Ag State of Mind podcast. Well, Jason, I really appreciate you having me here and, uh, you know, I- I, I really appreciate it. And it's, it has been a lot of fun and hopefully we can do it again sometime. Maybe we'll do it, uh, do it over on Ranching Reboot next time. Please. I, I would love that. I've, uh, you know, I am very new to the regenerative game, but I've learned a lot. So we're all new to it. Right. We're all new to the regenerative game. And Ellen Moeller, my friend, Ellen Moeller has a great quote. Soil health is a journey. You start where you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's no expert. There's no somebody who knows everything because it's an evolving science. Yeah. No, you're right. Well, Brian, appreciate it. Uh, It's a pleasure. I hope we get to do it. And I hope we will. We'll do this again sometime. We will do it again. Absolutely. definitely do this again. Great talking to you, Jason. Have a great night, man. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.